You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 81. Apple Plus must have money to burn. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 81 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Salutations, Brian. And so we have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. There's some trailer news that's dropped, uh, some movie news, things that we're going to be looking forward to this weekend for sure. And I asked you this before we got started, and you you missed it, but today... They dropped the full trailer for Disenchanted Season 2. Uh, they should have done that at Dragon Con. It's... <laughs> yeah, well, I guess they were holding off for mm-hmm. today. And, wow, does it look interesting. Mm. Basically, we're, we're getting more into the destiny side of our main character. We find out her mother about her mother. Right. And uh, apparently very, very, very evil. And yeah. So, <laughs> uh, that's going to play a lot more into this season uh, from what I've seen. And I can't wait for you to see the trailer, because I'm definitely curious about uh, what you think about it, because I know you're a big Mm -hmm. fan of Disenchanted. Yes, I do. I love it. But they are definitely building up uh, to some interesting things this season. And the trailer looked awesome. It looked funny. And, of course, they always have to have the medieval version of a modern modern song playing in the background. (laughs) And uh, for this trailer, it was Blondie's Call Me. (laughs) Which was absolutely appropriate for what we Wonderful. were Wonderful. Absolutely. One thing that uh, also, uh, not a tra- we didn't get a trailer, but we did get some news about WandaVision. And apparently, they're not saying an awful lot, but what they have been saying is very intriguing, especially if you're familiar with Scarlet Witch in the comics. Basically, they're describing uh, WandaVision as it's going to be a bonker series that snowballs an epic Marvel movie that you've grown to know or love. Basically, what they're saying is this show is going to be a mashup of all the family sitcoms that we grew up watching. That huh. that's going to be kind of the theme to this. And it's okay. like, like Leave it to Beaver and, and, <laughs> okay. and yeah, things like As a matter of fact, there's been a couple of pictures out of, you know, Wanda and the Vision looking very 50s sitcom, family sitcom mm-hmm. dress. That's very intriguing for a lot of us who are into the comics, because one thing that we know about the Scarlet Witch is she's one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and specifically because she has the ability to warp reality. And most people who know this, the one thing they think of is House of M, where Wanda went mad because she discovered that she had two children with the Vision, which is how is that possible if he's an android? Well, it's possible... Because she believed in it so much, she created them. Mm-hmm. And when it was brought to her attention that these were magical creations, through her chaos magic, they disappeared. Oh. She lost both of her children. And with the simple words, no more mutants, she wiped out the majority of the, of the mutant population and changed reality. Mm-hmm. And that was the House of M, basically. And so she basically, with a word, was able to wipe out the majority of the mutants on Earth, and to change history with hmm. with a word. And so 
it's looking like her sorrow for losing Vision is going to cause her to create these worlds in which Vision is going to be in. Hmm, and okay. so she's at, so this is going to deal a lot with her abilities to to warp reality. And so they're going to play that part of it and they're going to basically allow Wanda in the MCU to have those abilities. And keep in mind this is all going to lead up to the to Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is supposed to be a horror movie. So the multiverse of madness. Exactly. So we may what we may wind up mm-hmm. doing is this is going to start out as a comedy, but we're going to slowly see Wanda descend into madness. Yeah, that's a very, well, uh, Multiverse of Madness, is, that's a very uh, Lovecraftian title yeah. there. And a spoiler alert, that well, the way you describe it is very Vanilla Sky to me. Oh, yeah. And uh, Black Mirror has, you know, many, you know, what you, and Twilight Zone, obviously, you know, many of those, what you think is real uh, turns out to be, illusion or a delusion yeah so i trust it i i trust i trust marvel you know i'll give it a chance it may not be my favorite but i may really enjoy it so whatever they do i'm i'm cool with it oh yeah i'm definitely looking forward to this especially if they're going to start going down that road with wanda and she became a, a much more interesting character in the comics i think when you started to see that her powers weren't just mutant powers, and it, it wasn't just uh, the ability to change luck, but that she actually could mold reality itself. That makes her, besides a very powerful character, and also a very interesting one. And seeing how this develops on Disney+, and then seeing how it, uh, uh, how it resolves itself in the new Doctor Strange movie, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Now, again, we're going to go a little bit with Apple+, Plus, which is... Last week when we talked about Apple Plus, I, I went off on a on a strange little tangent that was, in a weird way, I'd say geek geek adjacent. <laughs> and we're going to do this again with something that I guess you could say is geek adjacent, but it's only because, again, we've been talking about the streaming wars. And Apple Plus, once again, if you remember, and I'm sure that you do, that they have all these shows coming out that are costing a million dollars an episode. Mm-hmm. And so one of their new shows has just been canceled. What? Yeah. I, not it even, hasn't even. That's right. They haven't even made it. It is a Richard Gere TV show. It's based off an Israeli uh, series called uh, Nevelot. And it's been canceled by Apple. So here's basically mm-hmm. what I found out. Basically, uh, Apple uh, parted ways with the showrunners, uh, Gordon and Late, due to what they call creative differences. But the thing is, Apple has backed out of the project pretty late. I mean, obviously, because they've, they've been filming episodes, and now they're just canceling the show. And so because of the fact that they backed out so late, Apple owes these two guys penalty payments because, uh, because of how late they backed out. So this is going to cost them a boatload of money. Ouch. Yes. So, basically, you know, what does creative differences mean? Well, once I started kind of digging into this, this got a little bit interesting. Because, basically, what the show is about is uh, Richard Gere plays a Vietnam veteran. And he has a friend who's also a Vietnam veteran. Basically, uh, these two men, their lives are disrupted when a woman that they both loved 50 years ago is killed in a car crash. And so apparently this is a woman that they haven't uh, they hadn't seen in a long time, but they were both in love with her. And when they find out that she's died, it really brings a lot of stuff forward. You know, so there's uh, 
uh, a lot of emotional issues that they that they deal with, and there's an interplay between the two of them and their relationship, which is where Apple really wanted the show to go. They wanted to explore the the issues between these two men, their friendship. They're more than friendship because of what they have experienced in Vietnam, how the world has kind of changed around them, and and all of that. And they wanted Apple basically wanted them to uh, the showrunners to focus on this, but that's not where the showrunners wanted to focus. They wanted to go into the darker elements of the show. And like I said, I did some digging and found out the darker elements of the show basically means well, this is the way it was described. Their lifelong regrets and secrets collide with their resentment of today's self-absorbed millennials, and the duo then go on a shooting spree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, when I read that, I was very conflicted. And and I think for the same reason you may be conflicted by this, because we're both artists. And as artists, we're very much into self-expression and expressing yourself how you choose to express yourself, uh, not being censored letting your art take whatever form that it should take, you know. And I think it's certainly something you could agree with. It's certainly something that I feel. Whatever I write, I don't feel like I that it's fair that I someone would try to censor something that, that I've written. But at the same time, a show about a, a mass shooting? Right. It's done by your heroes? It's at this point, you know, it would be satire. So it, uh, I'm well, not... that the thing about it is that this is not played for laughs. This mm-hmm. is not played uh, ironically or as a joke. This is something. It's about a couple of, uh, you know, from what I understand, a couple of Vietnam vets who go through a tragedy, who can't stand the world the way that it is, and decide they're just going to go out and and start raining bullets. Now, are you familiar with the source material, the original, or anything? I well, the thing about it is the original material. What I I don't I've not I've not read it. But it's Israeli-based, mm-hmm. and it has been Americanized right. uh, for the TV show. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's definitely a lot of violence that's going on in Israel, obviously. And so I can see why, you, obviously, in a situation where gunfire and bombs dropping are just a daily occurrence, why that would be a part of the original source material. And with the type of world that we're living in here in the United States, obviously... Well, I mean, it's very topical at this point. But then again, I'm thinking, did they think they were going to get away with this? Mm. I, I really wonder. I, this is a, I mean, if you're going to go for it, go for it. I get it. But especially with the fact that Apple Plus doesn't really seem to be wanting to take major risks, that a lot of their stuff is playing more family friendly. This show, which I didn't even tell you what they called the name of the show. Uh, the American title for the show was Bastards. Mm. I mean, even to the title, this is like, well, this ain't family friendly. Mm-hmm. I think basically what we ran into is what Apple liked about the premise and what the showrunners liked about the premise were two separate things. And so I can see where, you know, you say this is creative differences, obviously. But at the same time, I can understand wanting to make a statement about the world today and the way things are in the United States. You are taking a real chance here. And if you're willing to take that chance as an artist, I say, there you go. Go for it. If you're willing to accept the responsibility of your statement and how it might be taken, okay. Well, I mean, that that's for you as an artist to make that decision. But 
wow, if, if you're cranking out a brand new show, if I'm a showrunner, I don't know if I'd lead with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's really tricky. That's a really tricky subject, especially for a TV show. Now, for maybe an independent movie, go for it. But I don't know. I don't know if, if Apple Plus was going to be the market for this type of thing. And again, I'm not, I'm not for censorship, but at the same time, I also see Apple's side on this. You know, and we talked about this last week. Apple Plus, they don't have content outside of what they create for themselves. And so everything that they're building, they're having to build from the ground up. And yes, you're going to need to take some chances, but there are some that just, they're just diminishing returns. And I think that this type of a show, this is not, you don't come right out of the gate with something like this. You've got to build a reputation first. And then I think you can get away with a show like this if that's with that type of a subject matter. But right out of the gate, I just don't see how they were going to make that work. And so I, I definitely understand why they, why they bailed. And they certainly didn't do it lightly because this is going to cost them a lot of money. I mean, I don't know how many episodes they've already filmed, but you know, million a million dollars for every one of those episodes plus the penalties they got to pay for canceling the show this late in the game is going to cost uh, Apple huge. Uh, and just in again popularity and p- the publicity over the fact they they've canceled the show right off the bat is going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough for Apple, but I guess we'll follow up on this and see how everything else goes. One other thing that I did want to mention, because we were talking about, uh, and this just kind of briefly, but we mentioned last week Disney Plus and The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Mm -hmm. I saw a trailer for it. Oh, brilliant. (laughs) I love this. This, If you're in the mood for some quirky Jeff Goldblum, this is right up your alley. Okay. This plays to everything that you love about Jeff Goldblum. And he says right in the trailer, he goes, well, the premise of the show is basically, I don't know a whole lot. (laughs) And so he basically investigates all kinds of different things. And so, you know, the thing about about Jeff Goldblum is he just has this ability of just, you know, even at being an older gentleman of just having this childlike wonder and just being absolutely just amazed by by new stuff you know you can tell he's a lifelong learner and just having this ability to step into a world that he knows nothing about and just be amazed and just just enthusiastic about about the whole thing so what are what are some things that it shows him doing uh one of the things that uh, we see him doing is he's in an ice cream truck that serves different kinds of flavors of ice cream things that you're not used to okay so he just is an entire Hipster ice cream. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and so he's he's just going through that. There's some some other things that uh, he cover. Uh, just a few things. You just get flashes of of of, mm-hmm. of different things. And so what the topics are all going to be, I don't know. But I mean, Jeff Goldblum is he's just a national treasure, you know. <laughs> and to my opinion, uh, he's also the best cinematic uh, version of the devil that I've seen. It's a, a movie uh, called Mr. Frost, which ah uh, yes, yes. Mr. If you've Frost. not if you've not seen that, I don't know how you would see it because <laughs> I I don't know. There's DVD copies out there. I think one time on YouTube I saw a really bad copy of it floating out there. But Jeff Goldblum as the devil is worth the price of admission for sure. He's my like I said, he's my favorite uh, version of the devil because it's like is he the devil? Is he not the devil? You don't really know. Mm-hmm fascinating movie fascinating uh it's it's back in the early 90s of psychological characters that you got a lot of this falls right into that realm it's a fascinating movie but again it's like disney plus they're 
they are just hell bent and determined to have me buying Disney Plus. And of course, I've been looking at stuff right now as far as the best way to stream stuff. I wanted to stream all this from my television, so I think I'm going to wind up being, buying an Apple TV box, which will allow you to do all these things because there's just so much stuff coming out with Disney Plus with Shutter, and so I'm basically getting ready to bury myself <laughs> in into television. Let's go into games for a minute because I saw uh, there were a couple things I wanted to mention. One is I just saw that there is a card game coming out based off of one of my favorite Neil Gaiman movies. The card game is called Coraline, Beware the Other Mother. Ooh. And so the players <laughs> play the ghost children. And so they have to collect certain items to save Coraline and her parents from the other mother. Okay. So I'm looking forward to that. I love collecting card games and board games, as you know. Right. And uh, when I saw that, and of course, Coraline's one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'm going to wind up buying another game, which kind of going off the subject, but not really. I've, I, I got to bring this up. If you love board games, you've got to avoid uh, Kickstarter. Please do not go on Kickstarter if you want to keep your money. Now, if you don't about care the, about your money. Is this about the tracks game? Well, that's one of the things, because okay. I wound up backing a couple of board games <laughs> over the last uh, two or three weeks. And yes, Trial by Trolley. Trial by Trolley, yeah. Yes, uh, from the from the makers of Cyanide and Happiness, they created a card game called Joking Hazard, in which you make uh, cartoon strips, very similar to Cards Against Humanity, really right. messed up strips. <laughs> but Trial by Trolley... It's a it's a philosophical exercise. Yes, well, that, it's that it, philosophy students have been doing for you know right. years. It's, yes, it's a a psychopath test where you're basically uh, there's a track. It's a trolley track or train track, and on one side you have uh, five people you don't know. And as this trolley goes down the track, you know it could uh, if it hits them, he'll obviously kill all five of them. But however, you're on a bridge above this track. And there's somebody uh, standing next to you, and you have the ability to knock them onto the onto the rail. And if you do, it'll save the other five people. Okay, this is how I I've heard it. Okay, the one that I've heard is there are five people on one track, and then you have the ability to switch the track. And then on the other side, other track, there's one person standing. Right. So is it better to switch the track so that one person dies? And save five people, or is it just the same as letting five people die as to let one person die? Right. Well, of course, the version that I know is where you're knocking somebody over. Mm -hmm. The reason why they use that as a psychological test is because you basically have the idea that if you don't do anything, you can just stand there and do nothing, five people die. But to save those five people, not only do you have to kill one person, but you have to personally involve yourself with it. Mm -hmm. And so... That's why they use that as a, uh, a psychopath test, because a psychopath, they'll go, I'll just push the person, and they won't even think twice about it, because they're not uh, emotionally attached to the fact that they're actually going to have to kill somebody. It's just mm-hmm. flat-out logic. But yeah, there are versions of this where, you know, you have the switch, and, and uh, you can switch the track. And that's the version of the uh, test they use, basically, for trial by trolley. So basically, what happens in this game is... You have a judge, and you have uh, you have two teams, and the people on each team, they and, and the judge, it all circulates around basically. So you don't you're not playing the same teams every time. But basically, what you do is you try um, you're trying to build up your track with people that the judges wouldn't want to kill using cards, and then you also have the ability to put nasty things on the other person's track 
that they might want to kill. And basically, you wind up winning the round if the judge decides to go down the other track. So if your people wind up surviving, then you uh, then you win that round. And it goes to a certain number of points and whoever... Right. right yeah. and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, like I said, it's, it's based off of that philosophical um, mind thing. But it's also... Mm-hmm. It plays a little bit like Cards Against Humanity because, you know... You got a track full of kids in a, in a waiting pool. Mm-hmm. Kids in a waiting pool being one of the cards, but then the person, uh, the team across plays, you know, baby Hitler. <laughs> and so you put that down on their track, like, oh, what are you going to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, yeah, well, you're killing those kids, but, what, but you know, you're also killing baby Hitler. So it's an interesting game as far as philosophy is concerned, but at the same time, it's also a really messed up game when you think about. A lot of the choices are, you know, it's uh, you from the future mm-hmm. is one of the, is one of the cards, and and the other, you know, is uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. And there was actually a movie uh, not too long ago called uh, 2014 called The Philosophers, and they've got a class of philosophy students, and they put forth this uh, exercise to them, and everyone's given an assigned role in an apocalyptic you know, scenario, and everyone's given an assigned role, like, oh, well, you're a hairdresser, you're a doctor, you're this, you're that, and, like, one woman is an opera singer, like, and then they say, well, you know, an opera singer is not going to help us in the apocalypse, but you find out that she also speaks seven languages, so, you know, do we keep her because she can help us be, uh, have re- relationships with the other survivors, so uh, that's an, be an interesting movie to check out along with playing this game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you do any kind of research on psychological testing, uh, you'll find out that, especially in the 50s and 60s, that uh, there was a lot of really, really messed up uh, experiments that were done. The one where you were supposed to shock a person? Yes. And they found out that people would obey, even if they killed someone, they would they would listen to authority? Oh, yes. Yeah. I were, I, mm-hmm. The first time I learned about that one, it was a TV movie with uh, William Shatner. What? Yes, I remember this. Huh. Yes, it was a TV, and this was back in the seventies. This was before you were born, but yes, it was a TV movie with William Shatner about that experiment. And of course, there was another one where college students they divided them up between prisoners mm-hmm. and uh, prison guards. Yes, and it got to a point where they had to cancel the experiment because the prison guards became so abusive. Right, people were getting seriously hurt, mm-hmm. and so they had to basically end the experiment early because. Mm-hmm. Somebody was going to die. It was at Stanford, wasn't it? Yeah. I think they call it the Stanford Prison Experiment. uh, experiment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, some of this can be really deppressing, but hey, play a game instead. Right. Have a fun little card game with your friends. (laughs) Just do this stuff minus the LSD, and, you know, you can pretend you're Timothy Leary. I don't know. (laughs) Well, there you go. Well, we'll talk briefly about Spider-Man Far From Home because, like I said, we we did want to talk about it. That's right. The re-release. The re-release. Which did okay. Uh, uh Uh-huh. I think it jumped up to like about a million a day for a while. And then Tuesday, it dropped right back off again. It wasn't enough to basically bring it back up to number one or even number two. I think it, it was still like at number eight. This, was, this wasn't a good idea for several reasons. Okay. Besides San Diego Comic-Con, Dragon Con, which is always on Labor Day weekend, is one of the biggest geek gatherings ever. Right. And 
So all the geeks that would have seen this are down in Atlanta spending their money. So they well, that's a good point. They weren't going to go out and watch a movie. They yeah, were going that, to go and meet all their you know all their idols. Oh so. yeah. Well, that's a that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely a really good point. Now there were some people who were curious, and like I said, it, there were people who went to see it. Uh, certainly not a huge number of people, which is you know the shame. I don't think it's really going to affect anything as far as Sony and Marvel. At, Pretty much all the uh, the news coming out right now is they're done. There's there's no uh, negotiation. It's it's a foregone conclusion. This has ended. And some people, uh, I'll go ahead and mention this because I saw this online. Some people were a little bit upset because of uh, there was a release of the uh, 4K Ultra HD box art for uh, Far From Home that's going to be coming out uh, here in the next uh, couple of months. And um, it uh, it features a uh, basically a quote from uh, I believe it's from Rolling Stone, and it says, "There's no end game for Spidey because Spider-Man's flying higher than ever." Mm. And obviously, that quote has nothing to do with what's happened between Sony and Marvel. But the fact that it's on the box art, like I said, some people are getting a little conspiratorial and saying, "Ah, oh, Sony's taking a shot at Marvel." Right. I don't think that's what's happening personally. Myself, I, I I think a lot of people are reading more into that than there is. But uh, at this point, I'm I'm pretty much say uh, you know I, I think the news is pretty obvious. That we've seen the end of Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at least for now. Mm-hmm. So honestly, yeah, I mean Kevin Feige, he said I mean that they went farther with Spider-Man than they they expected to do. In a real sense, they do have their closure. So. Spider-Man's really not in the middle of any kind of a storyline that's going to be left uh, unfinished. Obviously, Sony wouldn't have done anything before before Endgame. They could have just at that point said, well, if, if we're not a part of this, I mean, obviously we can't put Tom Holland back in our movie. And he'd, of course, been cut out of it. And that would have been bad. No, I mean, nobody would have won that situation. And I'm so I'm glad that didn't happen. But yeah, um, I guess this is it. And uh, what Sony does from this point on, I guess we'll find out. Now, this has been a weird week for me, and I haven't really had a chance to watch a lot of things, but Mandy, you did. I did, yes. You watched The Dark Crystal. I did. Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. And mm-hmm. so, keeping it spoiler-free, mm-hmm. what did you think of Dark of The Dark Crystal series? I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed it. I can sort of understand people be- who are new to this type of genre, this type of uh, movie, uh, read someone on Facebook saying they still look like puppets, though. And then someone countered with that. Well, that's part of the charm, you know, is that they're real. You can reach out and touch them. You know, people who are now- nowadays used to CGI, it's very different. One thing, okay, when it comes to Star Wars, you need to watch Star Wars in the order in which it came out. Don't watch it in chronological order because then it, it takes away from the magic. Don't watch episode one, you know, watch episode four and then go back. You know, it takes away from the magic. When it comes to the Dark Crystal, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go watch the movie and then come and watch the series. You could watch the series and then you could watch the movie. Nothing is going to hurt this. The TV series is uh, a prequel and vast, vast in the, in the past. If you have seen the movie, you are going to get everything that you love about the movie only in 
in abundance. All the creatures uh, that you love, all the characters that you love, they are there and there are, so, there are many more of them. It has been compared a lot, a lot to Game of Thrones. They said it's Game of Thrones with puppets. It's got Game of Thrones-like violence. And I would agree with that. It's not afraid to go dark. You know, you don't see red blood, but there is, there's gore. There is. So, you know, uh, use discretion when it comes to, you know, test it yourself before you show your kids. But it is, it's beautiful. It really is. It's a beautiful production. You can tell that the people who worked on it, the voice actors, the puppeteers, the artists, the costumers, everything, that they absolutely adored what they were doing. And uh, so... I highly recommend it, but it is a very dense story. So a lot of characters, it can get confusing at times. Uh, but what's so fun about it is that, you know, if you, if you can grasp that and, and get in there, the story is so rich and every character is well-developed. I mean, even the tiniest little, little creatures, you know, they have their own personalities. They have their own uh, storyline, you know, that don't even talk, but you can see their expressions and you want to cry with them when they are upset. I'm afraid to go spoilery, but it's a much more optimistic ending than you would think if you have seen the movie, but it has set ages and ages in the past. So right. uh, definitely go out, you know, check it out. I, I absolutely adored it. Uh, mm-hmm. I would think that, uh, like you said, that you don't need to have, have seen the movie for right. you to enjoy the show. Although I have a feeling that if you have seen the movie, that it's going to flavor some of the, mm-hmm. some of the things that you see, especially when you know where it's leading to. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can see where seeing the movie might give you a little bit of a different take on it uh, as compared to if you haven't seen it. But I am definitely looking forward to seeing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there hope- is talks of season two. So yeah, very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wondering just how, how dark this might eventually get. I'm wondering if they have a plan for how many how many seasons they go through total. If they got that set up, like, you know, in Breaking Bad, they knew they were doing five seasons they weren't going to do anymore. Mm -hmm. If they've got the same thing laid out for this Dark Crystal series, if they know where it's going to go by the end and they're going to play it off. At least to me, I found that shows that that have a close end like that, they know where it's going to end, that the storytelling tends to be um, a lot better because a lot of open-ended shows... It can sometimes they can they can drift because you're not exactly sure you don't have a target at the end to aim for, mm-hmm. and so you kind of you do kind of drift a little bit. And so, I, like I said, I'm not sure uh, what the plan is for for this show if they are going to if they only have a certain number of seasons planned out, which especially for Netflix sounds like that's a good idea to do it yeah. that way because. <laughs> Uh, Netflix and their open-ended shows, you, I mean, that's, uh, well, I mean, we've seen what's happened to them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they tend to get canceled. And so mm-hmm. you don't you don't get a fulfilling kind of climax with these with those shows. And so if you're doing Netflix, it's I think it's usually a good idea to have the end in sight. Right. But uh, things you've had to say about the show, I'm excited mm-hmm. for. I haven't seen Carnival Row either, and I don't think you have either. I have seen uh, like maybe two episodes, but you know, I did exactly what I thought I was going to do. I stuck with Dark Crystal, got through with it, then jumped right. over to Carnival Row. I've seen two episodes. It's it's really interesting. Uh, the world building is great. I, I look forward to the rest of it, like this mythos that they have built up with the the Fae and the humans. It's takes from the classics, the classic tales, and. Right. 
it's it's looking pretty good so far, but I don't want to. I want to reserve it until I get through it. Yeah, I've heard I've heard some mixed reviews about it. I've mm-hmm. I've avoided a lot of the spoilery stuff because I mean, obviously I want to see it myself, mm-hmm. and so um, I'm thinking that's that's probably going to be the next thing that I do is to get caught up on both of these shows. Mm-hmm. After I see it, chapter two. Aha, uh-huh, yes. Which it, is, uh-huh. um, are I, you going to make that drive to the IMAX to see a big, scary, you know, I think sixty foot clown? I don't think it's going to be right off the bat. It, and it's mm-hmm. not definitely not going to be this weekend. I might wind up going to see it on IMAX next weekend. I, I was weighing whether I'm going to go see it tonight or tomorrow. I may wind up going to see it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But oh, I am. I have been hearing great review after great review about this show, and maybe this is a little bit spoilery. But um, you may see a very familiar author making a cameo. Oh, really? <laughs> so uh, I can't wait. I, I hear that uh, it's much scarier than the first one, which is saying something yeah. because if you've read the book, the parts with the kids is the more interesting part of the book. Now here's something that's really weird. Is that you do see the kids in the second uh, in the second movie, but they've gotten a little bit older, right? Mm-hmm. So here's what they wound up, wound up having to do: they had to de-age the kids. <laughs> like they 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 legit use computer graphics and CGI to de-age the kids <laughs> to make them look as young as they did uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Like holy cow! Mm-hmm. Seriously. That if See, them hit a growth spurt, they had to, you know... They had to deal with it. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Put everyone else on risers and... Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. serious. I mean, that's that's what happened. They had to they had to de-age the kids to make them more kiddish. <laughs> I, when I heard that, I was like, that's that's weird. They pulled that's, Nick Fury on them. Yeah, that's what, exactly what they did. They, they used, of course, modern CGI technology, made the kids younger, which... Honestly, I going into it, you knew there was going to be a, a part two. I would have went ahead and shot those scenes. Mm-hmm. I would, I mean, knowing that you're going to be doing this as a chapter one and a chapter two, while you had the kids there, go ahead and shoot the scenes with them, so that you know you don't have to spend money on computer graphics to make them look like they did. That's it's kind of weird, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too practical here. I don't know. <laughs> So, but yeah, that's uh, that's definitely what's on my plan for this weekend for sure, and we're definitely going to talk about it. And for the Patreon people out there, the spoiler review for it chapter two will be on Patreon next week, and we will talk about it. Are you planning on seeing it? I don't know. I'll have to. Yeah, because the question because the question is going to be basically: Are we going to talk about this movie, or am I going to wind up spoiling it for you? Eh, I've read the book. Yeah, well, there you go. So. Depending on what happens, the, the name of the episode on uh, Patreon next week might be Brian Spoils a Movie. <laughs> so if it's entitled Brian Spoils the Movie, then you know Mandy didn't get a chance to see it. But, so. so with that said, we come to the end of episode 81 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the Geek Watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.